what baptism has symbolised for the church and how that's even changed over the centuries and what it means for me. And so when we come together, the church and family, around the font, what are some of the images and some of the meanings and traditions that will be flowing between us as we receive this child into the family of God? And sometimes I remember to ask that question of adults when they come for baptism. I'm not quite as good at remembering to ask that question because often we are already talking about issues of faith. And, but sometimes I remember to ask. And then again, it's great to hear what baptism has meant for that person and what it might be becoming for that person. And so too with you today. What is it that baptism has meant for you? What is it that baptism is coming to mean for you? And we're lucky, aren't we? Because our tradition has us renewing our baptismal vows year by year as we gather at Easter time and light the Paschal candle for the first time. And we renew our baptismal vows and are sprinkled with baptismal waters and make our promises again. And each year, if you're anything like me, it means something a little different as we go deeper and deeper into the life of God, as we hear God say, I am with you, you are mine. So today we hear of Jesus being baptised. We hear of water and fire. We hear of glory. And of course glory is also a symbol, an image, which is not always the same for us all of the time. Sometimes it can mean something grand and bright and far beyond ourselves. But sometimes glory can be in the smallest parts of our day when we allow ourselves to be open to the presence of the Holy One. And in some of our liturgies as we gather around the table, we hear in the Eucharistic prayer the words that we see the glory of God in the broken body of the Christ on the cross. We see the glory of God in love poured out, in sacrifice made, in the longing for people to be made whole. So here we are. This is the year of Luke, year C in our lectionary, and so we'll be hearing stories from Luke more so than the other Gospels during this year. And Luke paints his picture of the story of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus in a very particular way. He crafts the story because he wants to show us what he knows of Christ and what he knows of God through the life and death and resurrection of Christ. And he invites us to use our imaginations, to play, if you like, with images. In his narrative, he celebrates a reality that in Jesus we see the fulfillment of the promise of, that God's Spirit will immerse us, baptize us with God's life. And we then see that reality unfolding in the story of Jesus. For Luke, Jesus is the one who fulfills God's promise. 
He is the son announced in the birth narratives. He is the Messiah who will shortly be tested in the wilderness. He is the one who shares a unique relationship with the Father, which everyone should know about. He is created through a special miracle in Luke's story, but not so unreal as to be deemed irrelevant to us as a model for discipleship. His disciples too will receive the Spirit in Luke's story as it continues through into the Acts of the Apostles, and they too will be caught up in the work of the Spirit. So too, we receive the Holy Spirit at baptism, and as we immerse ourselves in God's life day to day, we too will be caught up in the work of the Spirit. In the next chapter of Luke, chapter 4, as Jesus' public ministry begins following his time in the wilderness, he appears before his home synagogue gathering and uses the words from Isaiah 61 to describe why this is a significant moment. And above all, he says, this is good news. It is all about liberation for life. And then Luke goes on to craft the story. In today's Gospel, the way he has put the story together reminds us by hearing that voice, the voice of God speaking the words, you are my child, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. That here is one from God. But not only that, this servant or child of God echoing the words of Isaiah 42, has been upheld by God and chosen and God's soul delights in this one. And as Jesus is baptised and each of us are baptised, we too can hear those words. You are my child, my beloved, with you and you I delight. That chapter 42 of Isaiah goes on to say, I have put my spirit upon him. And those echoes of Isaiah 42, for those people who would have experienced that baptism of Jesus, and those here in Luke's gospel in the years and decades and centuries to follow, might have heard those echoes. Those echoes of the prophecy of Isaiah being lived out in the flesh in that moment. The effect is to underline the claim that what is happening in the story of the baptism of Jesus is in continuity with the story of scripture and bringing its hopes to fruition. Again, we have faith, reality calling forth creativity and imagination, making the connections, being open to what comes next. It is Luke's creativity in crafting the story, but it also calls forth our own creativity placed in us by the one to whom we belong. It needs more than mere statements and literal tellings of stories. It also needs the broader brush strokes and the craft of the storyteller and the imagination and willingness to see beyond the obvious in us, the listeners. In Luke's story, the baptism of Jesus celebrates both the uniqueness of Jesus and his role as a model 
for us. And so, even though we might believe that he is without sin, and that baptism is something that washes away sin, Jesus nonetheless enters into the waters of death and rises up into new life to let us know that this is something we do with him, something that he does with us. In the words of the Isaiah reading today, if you pass through the waters, I am there with you. And through the fire, I will be present with you. This weaving together of all of these strands from scripture, from the experience of the present and its scripture reality, and the ability to be open to what we don't quite know yet, but is being echoed to us. And the invitation to imagine how life might be and the promises made by God. We are called forth to be part of both the tangible and the intangible. And in this image of Jesus coming up from the water and the voice of God being heard, and this image of something like a dove, we are drawn into this moment where the tangible and the intangible meet in Jesus. But it's not just a moment to be heard about and experienced as a story that happened in first century Palestine. It's a moment that we are all called to participate in, in our baptism, in the renewal of our baptismal vows year by year, and in each moment of each day where we stop and pay attention. So I'd like you to stop and pay attention now. The Gospel reading says that it is something coming like a dove, not a dove. And while when we're trying to capture things in visual images, we need something tangible. And you can think of all of the marvellous art that has depicted doves and flames as a sign of the spirit. Sometimes we just have to use our imaginations. And this is an image that while it looked like a dove, not, not only looked like a dove, it felt like a dove and it sounded like a dove. So I want you to imagine, though maybe not quite as grubby and full of disease as our local pigeons are. The ranks. <laughs> yes. A flock of doves. And what happens when one flies and you hear the movement of the feathers and the flutter of the wings and the movement of the breeze. And often when one moves, a whole flock move. And you hear the sound and you feel the breath of the wind and you see the movement of the feathers and the wings. I want you to imagine that hovering. Does it evoke another story that you know so well from Genesis? When in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, the spirit hovered over the chaos. So imagine that you can hear and feel and see this hovering as the spirit hovers over us as individuals and as a community and says, 
You are my children, my beloved. I delight in you.